Hello, and welcome to another episode of North and South of the 49th Parallel. I am Kente, uh, one of your hosts. Uh, I am going to be joined in a few by Dr. Vibe himself. He's uh, running just a little late. Um, this is part two of our conversation about does uh, Christianity interfere with the uh, Black empowerment. Uh, this is part two. This is, we're having a all-ladies panel. And uh, I want to uh, introduce who we have here. We have, um, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, all right, so we lost somebody. We lost Shannon. Uh, uh -oh. So what I'll introduce is uh, the ladies that we have here. Uh, we have Sister Angela. How are you doing, Angela? And tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm great. Um, I am Angela from Orlando. My husband and I do marriage ministry, and we are, um, I must pro black, but we are definitely, um, we're Christian. Uh, we are, all right, are, so we lost um, somebody. Our people. Uh, uh -oh. I'll introduce is uh, the ladies that we have here. I can't hear anything. Yes. All right, so hear. sorry about that. Um, our, all right. Also joining us, we have uh, my. Was I supposed to be able to hear what she said? Uh, can you hear? Can you hear? When she was talking, I couldn't hear. I can hear you, but I couldn't hear her. You uh, can hear me now? Can you hear her now? I don't know. But she can't, Angela, but she can can't hear me. Oh, uh, she can't hear you. You might want to uh, once again go out and come back in. And I hear an uh, I hear what? an echo as I well. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, right. You're standing when she was here. How is this? Uh huh. Can you hear me? Is that better? Yeah, we can hear you just fine. You're good. Oh, but did you hear me better before, or can you hear me better now? Uh, we hear you now. Yes, we hear you. We heard her both. She just couldn't hear but me. But before, could you hear me? Because I had headphones on before. R right. Yeah. No, we can hear you, but you said you can't okay. hear her. No, I couldn't hear anything she said. Oh, okay. Do you, still, do you hear me now? Did, Did I miss something juicy? Yeah, she's yeah, she's talking right now. So yeah, you you might want to come out and come right back in, and that that might uh, fix that. Unfortunately. unfortunately. All right. So sorry about that. All right. All right. So also joining us, uh, we have uh, my co-host from Men and Women Talk the Mars Venus Show, the one and only Shannon Ford Jefferson. How you doing, Shannon? Hello, everyone. I'm good. Tired, but I'm here. Yes, and I'm so glad that you joined us uh, and you are uh, on the road. Um, so uh, glad that you came to join us from the road. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. All right. All right. Now, uh, also joining us is, uh, you know, her from the Elephant Room and now Cocktails with L.A., the one and only L.A. Wade. How you doing? What's up? How you doing? I'm exhausted. This has been the greatest weekend for uh, interviews and meeting people and networking. I love people in the United States. Black people in the United States make me so happy. It's not like back home at all. It's not like back home at all. No, it's, it's so much more supportive. Um, it's funny that this topic is what it is because... Um, I find that maybe people have become uh, are become docile in a sense as they take on uh, those some some Christian values. They replace their own agency sometimes. I feel 
but I'm sure we'll get into that. Anyway, a little bit about me. I am the registrar at the University of Toronto and a sessional lecturer there. Um, I created the Cocktails with LA brand that I am currently expanding on. And it's just everything, all things love, sex, dating, and relationships. The subtext is the adventures of a recovering sex addict. And the best way to explain that is uh, using sex to barter for love. I think that would be the best way in search of love. So being addicted to wanting that perfect relationship. Um, yeah, that's the best I could tell you tell you right now. It's, it's pretty it's pretty intersected. All right. Well, I'm glad that you are here and that you are chopping it up with us tonight. Yeah. All right. Chicago's awesome. I love Chicago. Chicago right? That's like a uh, that's like a home away from home for me. So uh, I love Chicago. Yeah, sure. So I love it. All right. So okay. also joining us, our last lady panelist for tonight is the one and only Dr. Tachi. How are you doing, Dr. Tachi? Bonjour. How are you? I'm doing great. And uh, for those who may not know, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Ah, so I am a media professor, a filmmaker, a media content producer. I'm also a journalist in, a, in addition to a bunch of other things. I host a couple of different conversations, Mediascope um, on Wednesdays uh, and we're live on Thursdays. And then I'm also uh, one half of the TV twins on the podcast TV channeling. All right. And, uh, you know, you're one of my oh, faves. Here. You're one of my faves, so I wonder why. Uh, for a lot of reasons, there's okay. a lot of reasons more than you realize. <laughs> All right, okay. So I'm glad that you are here and that you're chopping it up with us. Thank you. And my co-host with the Comos, the one and only Doctor Vibe. How you doing, Doctor? So what's up? Tell us how, how you doing, man. All right. Well, I am glad that you are here, Dr. Vibe. Perfect timing. And we're going to have this conversation uh, tonight. Um, so uh, let me see. Uh, I hear... Uh, I hear a lot of background noise coming from somebody. Uh, okay, so you might want to mute when when you are not um, talk talking. Uh, um, La. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So last week we had uh, an all male panel, and the conversation was, "Does Christianity interfere with Black empowerment?" And we had a wonderful conversation. It was a great dialogue. And a lot of people shared their feelings and their thoughts. And I thought it was only right that we have uh, um, get a female's perspective on it. So um, the first question I asked to the fellas was, why do you think that black men tend to stray away from the church at, you know, a lot of times when they're teenagers or young adults uh, in droves, they seem to go, even if they, if they grew up in the church, a lot of times by the time they become teenagers or uh, or adult young adults, they seem to go away and they come back when they like 50, 70 or something like that. And uh, so it was a great starting off point. Now, um, by contrast, it seems as if more women stay in the church. 
um, than the men, definitely by con by contrast. So I think a first question is, um, I like to get you ladies perspective of why do you think that in the black church specifically, you think more black women tend to stay with the church more than more than our brothers. Now, don't get me wrong. Sisters leave, too, as well. But uh, by huge numbers, they seem to uh, to uh, stay in the church, um, at least by uh, attendance, if not uh, by their actions and whatnot. So we'll start off with uh, we'll start off with you, um, uh, uh, Angela. I used to, we can say. <laughs> um, I think there's a few reasons. One of which is, you know, we women have an issue with being a, a single. Uh oh, did we lose her? Oh, can oh. you hear me? Yeah, there you go. You're back. You're Kente. good. You're good. Hello. Yeah, you're good. Can you hear me, Kente? Yeah, we hear you just fine. I can't hear anything now. Oh, Jesus. You hear me? Yes. <laughs> Can y'all hear her? Yes. Maybe she could go out and come back in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't hear her at all. Okay, yes. I can, I can hear everyone else except for her. Yeah, she's coming. She's coming back. Uh, it's going to be one of those nights. I see it. Uh, all right, here we go. Can you hear me? Yes. Can hear. Can everybody hear her now? Yes. A uh, phone call came in right as I started to talk. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. So I was saying that there's a there's a few things, but one of which is that um, today we have a lot of single mothers, whether it's through divorce or you just, you know, you had children out of wedlock, you know. And so what happens is we run to church as our source and, you know, it's our gleam of hope. It's our strength. And we tend to stay. I feel like men are more like, uh, I'm not really sure about this. You know, I, I grew up that, that way, but I don't know if I believe it as much or is it as firm. Because a lot of times you have a lot of women running the church. You have, you know, maybe 80 to 20, you know, 80 women, 80% women, 20% men. And so sometimes they feel like they're telling them what to do or they're beating them over their head with the Bible instead of, um, being taught and be, you know being led, they feel like they're kind of being chastised all the time. And I think that we use as our source of strength. Men see it as a as as too much sometimes. Okay, um, uh, I would like to ask the same question to you, Doctor Tachi. Why do you think that uh, sisters tend to stay with the church more than the brothers? Well, you saw me writing feverishly. That's I, you know, that's the way I kind of keep things <laughs> straight. So I kind of think, you know, it seems like the the past few conversations for me have gone back to in 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 this concept. In some in some way, is a little bit of misogyny involved in this, and and let me tell you why. Society has dictated that the tenets that the church um, upholds are what women are supposed to be. And for you to be a worthy woman, to for you to be a good woman, you need to uphold these tenets. And that means you, your participation in church, at least in um, in Christianity. I, I would venture to say that would be in uh, many organized religions as well. And 
religion, and we'll probably get into this uh, at some point, is different from spirituality. But when we talk about organized religion, um, organized religion is uh, one way that has been used to oppress people. Let's be real and let's be clear about it, particularly Christianity. Organized Christianity has been used as a method of oppression against you know black people, people of color, against women, right? So in order for me to be important, to be, be in charge, I have to place things strategically within the religion that dictate that this is how one should behave or this is how women should behave. So even though it's not necessarily anything bad, you know, in terms of, of the methods of behavior, treat people well, do these things, those are things that women are expected to do and it's built by design built into organized religion. So because we adhere to that, because women feel, you know, you're trying to be good, you're also taught you want a husband, you want, um, your husband wants a good God-fearing woman, that's what you do. So a lot of this is, is societal, it's prescribed by society. And that's why I think there's so many more women, in, particularly in the black church, black women, younger and, and whatever in the church. So you'll find you know, older men that are in the black church that are very active in the black church, but it's you know, younger men where that fall off tends to be. So I, that's my two cents or three cents or five cents. All right. Uh, L.A., I want to give you an opportunity to uh, ask, answer the same question. Um, I just think that it's not relevant. Um, I can't I can't say that it's more more men, young men versus more young women that are leaving the church. I think that young people are leaving the church and what's in the church are older black women because their husbands have either died off or they're not well. Um, and that's what tends to be in the church. But in terms of the younger generation, I just don't think uh, they see it as relevant to them um, in the same ways. Uh, and they're recognizing the more educated we become, the more we realize the role that the church had in, in oppressing us. And we're a lot more savvy the, um, now than we were before. And so I think people are making different decisions for themselves and, and stepping out from the traditions that their family had set for them. Okay. All right. Uh, Shannon, uh, uh, questions on you now. Uh, why do you think that um, more sisters tend to stay with the church younger? Oh, well, we just lost Shannon. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Vibe, uh, I'm going to put it on to you. Uh, do you have any thoughts on it from your perspective? And you're on mute, too, by the way, Dr. Vibe. Uh oh, did we lose you? Did we lose you, Doctor? Oh, okay, there you go. First of all, welcome to all the beautiful ladies that are on the conversation. I can't hear great, him. Great to have you on, and great to always be in your presence. I think that LA brought up and uh, Doctor Tachi brought up a very important point, which came up in the conversation. Black men. Black. Mm -hmm. Hello. Yeah, you're good. We hear you. Can nope, you hear I me? Uh, yeah, uh, LA can't hear you. Uh, LA, you might have to come right back in. <laughs> Sorry I about that. 
Okay. Oh my God. For today is one of those days, but you know what? That ain't nothing but the uh the devil. I will say can say that another thing is for me that I, I think about sometimes in regards to this topic mm-hmm. is that black men are constantly being controlled, trying trying to be controlled. And this idea of trying to be this perfect perfect person in society. Even if they were perfect, society doesn't allow for that. And I know I just think that we're taking on our own agency to try and create a path that works for us. I think that there are a lot of men that are spiritual beings, but they don't need to be a part of the organized religion. Right. Fair, well said. Uh, Dr. Vibe, okay. It, now let's see if we got you now. I think there's a, probably a delay. It seems like there's a delay with Dr. Vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Vibe. Uh oh. You hear me okay. There you go. All right. There we go, Dr. Vibe. Can you hear me? Everybody can hear him. Uh, Talk again, Dr. Vibe. Or not. Okay. We lost Dr. Vibe. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Shannon. Get get thee behind me, Satan. I know. Right. Shannon. Uh, do we have you, Shannon? How you doing, Shannon? Yeah, I'm here. All right. So uh, I know you, I know we've been uh, uh, you've been coming in and out. Um, yeah, yeah. Your 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 signal is pretty bad, Shannon. All right. All right. So uh, sorry about that, everybody. All right. So. Um, Okay, so uh, as we wait for uh, our our guests to come back, um, I think this is a good way to start off because one thing that I talked about last week was that we talked about what the church represents for the males, right, at a young age, and um, or what it may not represent. And what we did was, you know, they had a, a lot of different reasons why they believe that to be so. Uh, church is a, has a very feminine spirit. Um, wait, hold on a second. Dr. Vibe, there we go. Do we have you? Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, yes, we hear you. Okay, so I'm gonna let you finish, and then I'll, I'll I'll come back to my point. Now I don't hear him. Okay. 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 All right. Mm-hmm. It's the floor or is yours? So just a quick, got quick bit out add on to what the lady said. I think it's a very important point that Dr. Tachi and La said about the relevancy of of the church t- these days to especially young people. The same conversation point came up last week with the the black male thought leaders saying that a lot of times the church is not speaking the same language that young people want to hear or can relate to. So that's one of, I think that's one of the reasons why you see black men and also black women not relating to the, to the church. Also to women will stay in longer because I think again, it seems that some people have told me that the church is, relates more is making a conscious effort to relate more to women than to men. So I'll just end it there quickly because I don't want 
any more bandwidth issues. So I'm just going to stop right there. But great points brought up by the Black Lady Thought Leaders. All right. All right. Uh, and real quick, um, we have Mo from Periscope. He says women are more emotional to devote. Wait, more emotional. Let me put it up on the screen. More Women are more emotional to devoted to God, I think. I think he may have meant emotionally uh, devoted to God, possibly. Um, okay. So uh, going back to what I was saying earlier is um, churches feels like a very feminine uh, space. And um, someone in uh, Dwayne in the chat says Messiah is a feminine word. And um, so what happens is there's a couple of reasons why I think a lot of young men stray away from the church is sometimes it does feel like pastor has a stable of women and you know like uh you know it's like these are his girls right and um there's no real room for a young man to possibly be in church that's the kind of the feeling that a lot of dudes have and i'm gonna be fair a lot of reasons why and i said this last week is you do you're in a different headspace which you what means a lot to you and you start thinking for yourself and that kind of thing and that's why a lot of times we end up going away from the church um but the things that i think is a draw to women in uh when it comes to the church uh seem to not be much of a draw to a young man and um, I want I'm just wondering how many of the ladies on the panel actually grew up in the church as a child. So we have Angela. Uh, so no to Dr. Tachi or L.A. I, well, I went to Catholic school. So to my yeah, mother, same. that was church. <laughs> so mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't count that as growing up in the church. Right. right. It's not growing up in the black church. Definitely. So. No. Oh, OK. All right. So. Um, but, you know, I think uh, now everybody on the panel um, sees themselves as Christian, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely be believers in, in God. So, uh, hold on a second. Um, now, when we start talking about empowerment, what is empowerment when it comes to our community, right? Uh, wanting to control uh, what it says, if I keep having, okay. Um, there can be a solution actually, uh, real quick, uh, next time we get Dr. Vibe, I do have a solution, uh, possibly to his issues. Okay. So, um, one of the issues that when we talk about empowerment, what's empowerment, right? Um, having control of your own destiny, uh, as a community, uh, being able to stand up for yourself, uh, having economic, uh, economic empowerment as well as uh social empowerment so why would some why would christianity even be thought of as an impediment to uh black empowerment you know um i have my thoughts uh i want to start off with you la why would you think that why is this even a, a conversation um what's in your estimation why would somebody think that christianity would be an impediment to black empowerment well, I, I liken it to living in Canada in the sense that Christianity is very much like it promotes a socialism and a kind of like, you know, 
accepting everyone and always being kind and turning the other cheek and all of these different things. And if you were doing that in a war, um, you would die. And so our community um, is drinking that Kool-Aid because we're in the church. But I mean, in our defense, a lot of our freedoms were based on our ability to believe in in Christianity. We were able to own property, specifically in the Caribbean. You were forced to have that belief and be a part of the church in order to gain access into schools, into owning your own land. So it was almost like it's a survival thing that was happening with the church uh, in the Caribbean anyway. And it has this, this socialism undertone of accepting everyone and it doesn't really talk about a fight for the individual. And unless we, I mean, I don't know how people feel about associating themselves as the children of Israel, which is really what the Bible is about. It's about that success story and the people that were struggling in that group of people to, you know, to get into the promised land, to, to God, that those are God's chosen people, so to speak. And if black people do not see themselves as those people, or they believe that they have to be almost socialist in their approach to being those kind of people, it kind of puts us at a, at a disadvantage because it takes away that kind of warrior spirit to go out there and do what we need to do. Amen. I love it. Uh, I love it. Um, uh, let's go to you, uh, uh, we'll go to you, Angela. What, uh, why would you think that um, someone would would think that uh, Christianity could be an impediment to Black empowerment? Well, one of it is because a lot of people say that, um, you know, God is for everyone and we have to love everyone and he wouldn't separate us and things of that nature. Like, um, that's one of the conversations we had on the other show that I do. Um, they were saying that if you ask, am I... A black per a black woman, or if I'm a Christian, I should say I'm a Christian because everything should be through the lens of um, Christianity. But my thing was, I can do both. I can be a black woman and be a Christian. One doesn't have to, you know. Like it seemed to me like if you say I'm a I'm a black woman, then I'm going to make bad decisions if I don't say I'm a Christian first. And so, you know, I, I don't I don't really know if that's the necessary answer, but I just feel like they, they make it where we have to choose because, you know, unfortunately it was white people that were doing the things to us. So if they, if we empower ourselves as smart as we are, as intelligent we are, as much money that we bring, we could change some things, but we don't believe in ourselves. We don't see our work. And so we say, okay, I gotta be a Christian and then be this black person. But like I told somebody the other week, I can backslide and not be a Christian anymore, but I'm always going to be black. I can't change that color any way I want to do it. You can't. But even when you backslide, you can, you're still a Christian. He. Well, see, I don't. I don't believe that. That's not what my Bible oh, tells me. Okay, I see. So everybody has different. That's not because you know, but that's a whole other topic. But <laughs> I'm saying you can't change your ethnicity at all. No, you sure you can, and I don't think that we should ever try to separate our our race from our belief system our spirituality is, it's impossible it actually it, it it actually fuels my my uh my spirituality is my black experience i see now i think so too but like kente didn't get into this last week on the panel with his guys because one of the men on there says specifically that you have to be a Christian first and not a black woman or a black man first. And I said, that makes no sense to me. That's how that conversation came up, that 
you know, first of all, me being a black woman doesn't mean I'm going to make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And then I'm a, I'm a black woman that's a Christian. Like, I don't have to be, yeah. you know, it, to me, they, it was just saying that I have to, if I choose to say I'm a black woman first, then I'm going to make some bad decisions, which is crazy because, I mean, I think black people are just the best thing ever, honestly. Now, I, now we have people in the chat room who, who feverishly want to get into this conversation and we will give you guys their, your opportunity. But um, I want to uh, go to you, Dr. Tachi. Uh, um, what would you like to add to that this part of the conversation? So, I mean, what, what both of them have said are, is wonderful and extremely valid. I, I think, though, to your point, um, Angela, when that, that man, the young man was saying that, um, or the gentleman was saying that you should think of yourself as a Christian first and then ethnicity or race or whatever, I think that then discounts that, you know, uh, black people that are Muslims, black people that are um, Jewish, you know, I, I think that your ethnicity is going to supersede all of that. And then that whatever you are becomes part and parcel of who you are. So uh, there's, a, I have three things in terms of, of your question, Kente. So number one, the black church has always, I shouldn't say always, but traditionally, and was founded on working within the parameters of uh, white hegemony or the uh, power structures that be, the status quo. So when you work within that system, of course, it's going to seem like it's counterproductive to uh, the goals of black empowerment and black upliftment because you're working within a power structure that is anti who you are. Uh, The second thing is that, you know, Christianity in particular has taught us to turn the other cheek. And if you're constantly turning the other cheek, you are then not holding people accountable for the things that they do in terms of uh, malice towards your community, uh, purposely doing things towards your community. You're not holding them accountable and they don't have to be held accountable for it because we're taught, this is a whole other conversation, the whole forgiveness thing, without even people asking for it, we're quick to forgive. We will get on TV and hug and forgive and that's because that's what we've been taught we are supposed to do, that there is uh, rest and, and solace on the other side. So you're supposed to forgive and suffer in this life. And because we've been taught that and have internalized that, in some cases, it has been counter to, uh, to black empowerment. Not in every case, but in, in many cases it has been. And then number three, uh, we've internalized the images of Christianity that are not us. So it kind of goes along with the hegemony thing. If you are internalizing images that have been, and these are you know media images, um, and when I say media, I don't mean electronic media. I'm talking about uh, pictures. Okay, when I was in Catholic school, I went to a Catholic school where there were like eight of us, eight black people in, in the whole school, and there were only a hundred of us. So we constituted a very small uh, percentage of the students that were there. And we were, I remember that year we were given a gift. Each classroom got pictures of Jesus with children. Well, what do you think they looked like? Not like us, but when you look at the history of the area when we're uh, where people came from, they definitely look more like us than they look like uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And so when you're in, you have those images that are telling you, this is not you, this is not who you are, this is not where you emanate from. Of course, you're internalizing things and it is not going to be helpful or productive 
towards the goal of black empowerment. Because again, you can't be what you don't see. Images are critically important. So if you don't see yourself as um, part of that, part of well, who God is, who Jesus is, if you don't see yourself as part of it, you don't think there's anything you can do about your current situation. You think you need to accept where you are. But after all, they don't look like you, and there must be a reason that you are where you are. Even if you're not saying this subliminally, that's what the message is. So those are just some reasons that um, I think it can be counter to black empowerment. Well, that's very well said. Um, uh, we lost. Who did we lose? Uh, oh, gosh. L.A. Yeah, we're dropping like flies. Uh, wow. <laughs> all right. So Dr. Tasha, you and I have been the only ones that stand strong. I know. Yes. Right. I know. Yes. All right. Florida, stand up. Right. <laughs> oh, all right. Here we go. We got we got L.A. back in the in the okay. room. All right. So uh, well, I was about to say, like, mm -hmm. the thing that frustrates me about these conversations is that um, I hate because I've come such a long way and I continue to journey on the spiritual path. My blackness definitely impacts my spirituality because of the experiences I have in a, a white hegemonic world. So that's 100. But at the end of the day, when we're always trying to, we're trying to make something that is spiritual, human and physical which is what our race represents. And they're two different things. And so the conversation for me always leads back to why do we keep talking about something that isn't really contextually accurate, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it really bothers me because we should be working in terms of empowerment. I believe as a people, we should be working towards having people understand themselves spiritually so that they can rise to the occasion to become who they need to be in the world, not just as a black person, but as the spiritual being with a purpose that they have to live out in this world. Well, me, myself, I, I, I'm black first. So, um, that's how I go. No, with your spirit first. No, that, well, that's how, what you believe. I, I don't believe that. So, yeah, so uh, you think that God created you and said, this is a black man. And then he gave you the spirit. I don't even think like that. I don't think about that. I think about the planet that I live on and what my people go through. So that's that um, pushes everything I believe and go through. There we go. We got Dr. Vibe back. And um, so, you know, in a. Um, so don't you think that those are spiritual things happening to people? What do you mean? When you when you have to when you have to rise to the occasion with your community it's mm -hmm. very difficult to to have resilience without your spirit intact but as also without having your your community intact whether your community is all black or whatever you define as your community i think that we have like dr tashi was talking about the different types of people who have different religious beliefs um that becomes very difficult to you know, the, the, the religious systems that exist out there are just, they're organized religion in terms of facilitating how people believe. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you have an internal world that you interact with and your internal wor world is saying that I, I'm here for black people, I'm black first. Somebody else's internal world is saying, I believe in Allah and he is that one God. Other yeah. people are saying Jesus is their person, you know? 
um, at the end of the day, it's your, it's what you're believing in that is what is driving how you interact in the world and your and your agency. And so Christianity, in the sense of organized religion, has of course been detrimental in terms of Black empowerment. It almost seems self-evident. But what is not self-evident is our disconnection from what I believe is our spirit that helps us work together in a way that can help the community move forward as a unit, um, opposed to as this individualistic process that is actually quite very much from our colonial um, fathers. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, uh, may, Dr. Tarkin. Yeah, I'll answer I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's very interesting. The problem, I, I think the issue is the reason we have this view and this, this approach towards religion is because it comes out of first, it, it comes out of we are oppressed first and then we use religion to, to, uh, co-sign on that oppression yes. to make the oppression okay. And so I think it's very difficult for us to look at it outside of anything other than that because it's been used as, a, as an oppressive tool. So it's, it's, it's difficult to say, especially in this country, I would say, or any country let, let, where Christianity has touched, it, it's difficult to, because it's been used as an excuse to colonize, etc. It's very difficult to say, um, spirit first for some people because organized religion has made a big point out of telling you you're not as spiritual as we are because of how you look or who you are and when that is part of the conversation it's very difficult to see yourself as one or as spirit first or whatever the case may be so i think that's where that disconnect is yeah well uh very well said once again dr tachi um i hear with with uh la is saying but the, that's not my reality. My reality is I'm a black man and uh, I go but through. That almost con what, what do you mean when you say that? I think that's what I need clarification on, because by the way that you say it, it almost um, implies a certain level or a place or a, a, a limitation. No, it's not a limitation. And, it's a very no, beautiful I'm saying, thing. I'm when you say it like that, that's what it, I hear. And so it's difficult for, for me to understand how a community can can grow past that understanding if they always have to contextualize it by saying, well, I know what's up with me because I'm a black man. Well, what does that mean? Well, first of all, I love being black. Uh, I love being a black man. And uh, so I don't think of a limitation or not at all. What do you mean when you say it, though? What do you in, mean? In, in response to me saying what I was saying, you're saying, well, I didn't know about that, but I know that I'm a black man. So what does that mean? I'm a oh. black man. I am, <laughs> you know, I, no, I you were responding to her saying that she, that she was you know, spirit first, that you were saying that you didn't, well, that's part I of mean, the, the, to me, the, the spirit man. first stuff is uh, like that kumbaya. We're all, we're all one people and all of that stuff. And that stuff, if, if we didn't live in a racist society, then I would be totally for that, you know, but we don't. We live in a racist society and I didn't make it up. I didn't make these make this up like that. And I know who I am. I know I'm a a black man. I live in America and uh, actually uh, a citizen of the world, which, you know, there is no place where there's no white supremacy. So, uh, you know, uh, if the, the Garden of Eden, wherever that is, maybe there ain't none there, but we don't know where that's at. So so. 
I mean, it sounds great, the whole we're a spirit and we're this and that. But do you recognize that some people are having that experience and they're also black? Um, because you almost see, make it seem like if you're not in the struggle, then you can't have the spirituality. I didn't say that at all. Not at all. I didn't say you said it. I said that's how it's sounding to me. Like well, that's no. how I'm interpreting what you're talking about. That's why I'm asking um, what you mean when you say that. Because when you talk about it being all kumbaya, you're taking something that I believe in and then you're, cre you're, you're saying it in that way, which is what is separating us as black people because I can't believe in what I'm believing in because it has to be in the way that black people want to, like when you say I'm a black man, mm -hmm. I, I, I just wonder what that is because that's different than, am I not having a black woman experience because I do believe in the kumbaya? Well, first of all, I never said, I'm talking about myself. So I'm no, not. I know. I know that you're. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I'm like. So I don't well, understand. You can believe what you want to believe. I believe what I believe. I so. I do, but I don't also then tell you that you are. I don't diminish what you believe in by saying things that are opposite to it being kumbaya. Well, I didn't. You know I, I don't only I said. Wait, I only said what I said because you kept asking me. I didn't say any of that at all. I was just telling you what I believe. You directly responded that the spiritual stuff is the kumbaya stuff. <laughs> But you're the black man. Okay. Uh, I only said okay. that when you kept asking me. You wanted so, the truth, so I gave you the yeah. truth, <laughs> like based so, on what well, I believe. So, but I'm sorry. Hold on. I don't mean to interject. Mm -hmm. But uh, LA, I, I I don't think that Kente is is meaning it in the way that you're receiving it. He's it, and I know you probably understand that. But I'm saying, I think he's saying for him, this is his case. And then you can kind of look conversely in terms of the way you're responding to it that. Um, you cannot have a black experience without having a spiritual experience. And I don't think that's true for all black people, not in the same way. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. It almost feels like you're saying you can't have that black experience without having a Christian experience. So for him, that's not the case. For many black people, that's not the case, especially people who feel that Christianity is not the way for them, that it has been oppressive. And so uh, this was a common thing at, uh, you know, in college, everybody went to the mosque because you somehow got an epiphany about what Christianity did or does and is. And then you go, you start uh, looking at alternative ways. So I think that's really what he's trying to say. I don't think it's a, a denigration to no, your beliefs or your journey, L.A., not at all. Um, that's just it doesn't it doesn't work for me. So um, that, you know, that's what I'm basically saying. Uh, but I mean, when it's almost like uh, Charlie Brown, when you hear, you know, how the, they hear the adults and you know what they sound like to them. So that's kind of like what it is. But like I said, uh, you What's are not, like that. Huh? No, I'm just what saying like that. That is a that that kind of mindset like my thing is this what is kind of mind like you're saying things but i don't understand what you're saying you're saying that's what that's like the mindset but what <laughs> what what are you talking about no what i'm saying is the whole spiritual first uh you know we're all one we're there's no color that kind of stuff i uh, never said any of that by the way no, i know but i'm just saying like but then that's what i mean that's why i'm responding to the context of how you're portraying it because it's like you're taking something that I'm saying and then you're saying things like it's all kumbaya or, you know, it's all no color. And you're summarizing what I said in a way that is not what I'm saying. 
And then I'm trying to also understand that you're saying, that's why I'm asking the questions about what do you mean when you say the, the black man or, but I mean, Dr. Tashi has explained and I, and I get it, but I just feel that when you're talking about it in relation to anything else, that you can still be black and also have a different experience that is that is not whatever you mean by, but I'm a but I'm a black man having this experience. I don't know what you mean when you say that. Well, I don't make a I don't make a separation between between black men and women. So really, uh, I'm talking about black people, and uh, so what I'm saying is, are you talking about a struggle? Uh, struggle, just life, just with black people existing on this planet, you know, that's what I'm referring to. And and what about that? What do you mean? What, what about, about it? That, that, no, what do you mean about that in relation to the, the church? Uh, wait. I'm just trying to understand so that I can respond appropriately. So instead of just telling you what you're saying, I'm trying to figure it out for myself. What's my fate? Oh, well. Um, so, okay. What I'm saying is uh, I deal with things from a black point of view, right? Because I'm a black person who lives in America and I, we have to deal with what we have to deal with um, in this society. So, I think that most people that are black have to deal with whatever they're dealing with from a black perspective because they're black. Okay. So it's almost self-evident that we're black. How does that relate to the spirituality, I guess, is what I'm saying. No, For what you. I'm saying is you said that you're spirit first. I don't see yes, that. You're a spiritual being. I right. believe that you're a spiritual being. You were the, the breath, of, the, the, your energy, your spirit that leaves your body when you when you're gone. OK, but I'm talking about while we're here. I'm talking about while we're here. It's still it's here while you're here, because that's how you're able to be here because your spirit is there. LA, I would I would counter that with saying for you. So Yes, for me. Well, for that's, you. that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Right. No, but that's why and, I'm asking Kente what he mm -hmm. means for him. I'm saying that I'm dealing with it as from a social uh point of view as being black person in America and what we have to go through and how we can get our people to a certain point. And so I'm not I'm not thinking about the spiritual being and all of that. I'm just thinking of I'm black and this is what's in this is the good boogeyman in front of us right now. So, you know what? Technically, you could be 100 percent right and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm just saying from my point of view, that's not the way I tackle it. So I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not trying. I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong or right or whatever. I'm just saying that that's just not how I see it, how I do it. Does that make sense? I know. Yeah, we've been kind of. Uh, uh, I got to go to work in a minute. All right, right, right. All right. So uh, uh, we have someone in the chat who wants to ask a question of the panel. So. Um, uh, let, let's take some questions and then we'll we'll get back to our our, our discussion. Um, all right. So the seat is open. Uh, they'll just hear you audio. The audience will see. It. All right. Say who you are and where you're from. Peace, bro. This is Dwayne. Uh -huh. And where are you from? Oh, Georgia, Atlantis. Right, right. All right. The land of Hey Ru. <clears throat> um, 
so what I, I really wanted to say is um based on what the sister Dr. Tachi said and what Kente is saying and where the divide is taking place is that the sister is absolutely right in a sense in what she's saying because what we have to realize is that the mechanism of uh, Christianity in particular and what it has done to us and the ways that it has suppressed us, it has kept us from being able to spiritually ascend to the space that we need to be in to be able to uh, evolve to that spiritual being that she's speaking of. Because what it does to us is it takes away the, the, the divinity and the supreme knowledge of self that we should have about ourselves. You understand? And what Dr. Tachi said um, is absolutely correct with the images because a large part of what we have to be able to do to spiritually ascend to where we should be evolved. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And because, because uh, the images, when you look at the word imagination you see the word image in it so they took away our imagination so we cannot see ourselves as christ because in all actuality the word christ is a metaphor and it's a principle that exists within all of us so that's why in the new testament paul is telling people that the mystery mystery christ is within you you understand and and even when you look at the story of the crucifixion it's not a story of a physical death it's actually a story of the physical of the spiritual ascension that takes place when we get to that supreme state of the god within ourselves so that's why in the allegory of jesus he dies and is reborn as god you know and that's why he's 33 years old because we have 33 nodules on the spinal column. And when we get to that level of supreme existence within ourselves, we we become crucified. The, the word where it says Christ was crucified in Gal- Calvary, the word in Greek is cranion, which is cranium. And then it also says in another place that Christ was crucified in Golgotha, which is the place of the skull. So when we understand the difference between the physical doctrine and the esoteric doctrine in which we should be subscribing to, what religion across the board is supposed to be teaching us, whether it's Buddhism, Islam, whatever the case may be, is to find that supreme source within oneself. But the sister is absolutely right. And what she said, because they took that away from us by giving us the images that they gave us that was counterproductive to us. So when we look and I, I, I'm, I'm in my way to work, so I'm saying all this at one time. But when we look at what they did, it was the ultimate pimp game because they made God a white guy that was up somewhere in the clouds. And then what they did was they made him everything that's opposite of you so god is somewhere in a place called heaven he's white and he's in the clouds and your black ass is here on earth 
he up there, you down here. So what they did subconsciously is they made you the devil. So when we look at what has transpired based on these things, this is why we have so much self-hate amongst ourselves. This is why we can never unify and we can't even, even the people who supposedly believe in what they supposed to believe in, they can't even unite under that same banner because now there are so many different denominations within it. So they, people who supposedly believe in this, they can't even agree on stuff because they'll say, well, that ain't what I believe, <laughs> you know? And, 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 and that's the ultimate realization that we have to come to about as far as it, it, our empowerment. It can never empower us based on the way that it was given to us. That's what we got to realize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, uh, very well said. Um, look, <clears throat> And I'm going to be back, bro, like, whenever you're ready to do this. Uh-huh. And, and, and for the family who don't know me, I'm a published author. I've actually written about these things. And my first book that I wrote about is Supreme Science. I go in depth and explain the, uh, the history of the Bible within itself. Because if we, if we just understood all of the changes that the Bible that we've been presented the King James version of the Bible and we understand who really wrote that Bible and how it's been presented to us as the word of God, it would, it's laughable. And if we, we knew how many different versions there were before the King James version, if we knew how many people were killed uh, because they were writing their own version of the Bible and things of that nature, we wouldn't even be having these sorts of conversations anymore. You know, because the only Bible that I would ever give any credence to is the the original Ethiopian Bible. And that's from a specific place uh, in the Amharic region of Ethiopia. And it's written in a dialect called Giz. And it's an 88 mm-hmm. book Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we when we look at the universe, there's 88 star constellations. So if we understood um what the Bible really was, then we would be able to understand what has happened to us and why we're rejecting it because it's really a Zodiac calendar that's going in reverse. And the age of Jesus is the age of Pisces. The motto for the age of Pisces is I believe. And now we're moving into the age of Aquarius and the age of Aquarius is I know. So we're moving away from beliefs and we're moving into the state of knowing and and what the hindus described as the kali yuga would be this particular cycle of time that we're in they uh called it an iron age and in this particular age man loses consciousness of who he really is so the reason why we're walking away from religion and we're beginning to grasp our original spiritual concepts and things of this nature, it's about a cosmic time that no one can escape or no one can get around anyway. You know? Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the only person, the only the only two teachers that really got it right was Elijah Muhammad and Malachi York. 
one of the books that Elijah Muhammad wrote was the theology of time in which he said that uh, Yaku grafted a white devil that had ruled the world for 6,000 years. What the 6,000 years was, was three zodiac ages of 2,160 years. And these three zodiac ages are in the Bible as the age, the age of Moses. And Abraham is Taurus. Uh, Moses is Aries and Jesus is Pisces. And that's why when Jesus is talking to the disciples in Luke uh, 22, 10, they ask him, where should we be for the next Passover? He says, go into the town and house with the man, the pitcher with the pitcher of water. The man with the pitcher of water is Aquarius, the water bearer. And um, the Passover would be going from one Zodiac age to the next. And that's really what Elijah was talking about. The reason he said Yakub because Yakub is actually an allegory for Jacob. Jacob is this Jew who's tricked the whole world by making people think that he is God's chosen person. Well, uh, this brother, that's Dwayne Hendricks. Uh, he's written several books, got a book on the way. You definitely want to check out his work. And uh, he's a frequent guest on Indie Radio. Thank you for coming in and uh, sharing with us. Um, and uh, one thing I want to do is, uh, since we have this this break in, on the show, uh, I want to represent, I want to recognize the people that's in the chat room, Brother Dwayne. Uh, we have Ryan, Maya, uh, Pat, uh, Patricia Murray. We have Melvin, Kiana, uh, Lewis, as well as Dre. And I know we have uh, D in the chat as well. Excuse me. So thank you. And then we have Mo on Periscope. We have people in other um chats as well it doesn't say your name so if i didn't say your name i apologize all right so um i want to take this uh this moment um i know that angela's about to have to leave um i'll say this we want to talk about you know going back to the, the the topic of empowerment empowering our community um and does christianity affect it um do you guys remember uh the South Carolina shooter, right? Mm -hmm. And um, this guy, he, uh, he 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 came into the church, uh, broke bread, I believe, with the uh, members of the church. At least he, you know, I think because he came in, he was in there for a while before he started shooting. And, um, you know, he, he shot up the church and uh, then um, something happened where when you know he you know the guy never asked for an apology uh did exactly what he wanted to do and black people started to s express their forgiveness to him <laughs> and you know i i guess i'm not a very forgiving person especially someone who never asked for forgiveness um there's nothing that guy could say for me to ever forgive him even if he did um but uh um my my thing is uh these were good christian people who said that they forgave this guy 
and that um you know that they uh you know they forgave his actions and i got lectured by a lot of my christian brethren about how great forgiveness is and and all of that kind of stuff and i really believe that that is another thing that kind of goes um goes with this mindset of um christianity affecting um black empowerment um i'm gonna start with you angela because i know you have to leave but um when it came to that particular incident what were your some of your thoughts on on it and what did you think about the the uh the people forgiven well first of all you gotta refresh my memory because we've had so many shootings um, um they're right south together. carolina the uh i think his name was dylan yeah. roof he was the Is man that went in the bible said, um, yes at um mother uh, mother emmanuel church in um south carolina okay. Okay. yeah well, what I do know is forgiveness is for you. It's not for them. Mm -hmm. So you're not forgiving the act that, okay, what you did was okay. But when you hold bitterness and anger, it eats away at you. That's easy one of the ways you can have cancer, a heart attack, stroke. You can't internalize that stuff. So forgiving them is to release you from the hate or the feelings that you have. Because have you ever had somebody that you fell out with or they did something to you? And the more you thought about it, the more it bothers you. And so, like for me, I have rheumatoid arthritis. And when I have something that, that's very stressful that's happening to me, it triggers my body to do different things. And I never could understand why, because we internalize that stuff and it comes out in different ways. So I think it would be very difficult to forgive the person that killed your loved one or your family member. However, holding on to that will have you dead or jacked up as well. It's interesting. It's interesting because I, I think about the Boston Marathon shooting. I think about 9-11. I think about a lot of these things. And I ain't never heard nothing about no forgiveness. I ain't heard, like, I never heard nobody saying they forgave bin Laden. I never heard anybody saying they forgave uh the Boston shooter or bomber or, you know, going down or Timothy McVeigh, actually the people wanted to see his execution on pay-per-view and they provided that for them. Um, so what is it about our community where we're so easy to forgive someone outside of our community for afflicting harm on us, but we seem to can't provide that forgiveness to within our own community uh to, it could be a loved one who you know maybe done something messed up but i mean not the worst thing in the world and we'll never forgive them but we can forgive dylan roof we can forgive all these people that you know zimmermans and all of these people please someone make me understand that and how's that productive for our community um Perhaps I'm the wrong one to speak on this because I don't think I'm as evolved of a Christian apparently. <laughs> um, I do I do agree with Angela. Forgiveness is supposed to be for you, mm -hmm. but it's also written that they have to add they're supposed to ask for forgiveness. I think it is societally prescribed for black people. You made an excellent point. Nobody else, you never hear anybody else talking about well, we forgive. It has been dictated that we forgive 
This has been something that has been taught since slavery. You're supposed to forgive because it absolves these evildoers of the evil they do. And they don't have to feel bad about it. And this happens every time. Things continue to happen in our community. And because they know that we're going to forgive them, oh, okay, everything is fine. We don't have to. So the, the problem I have with it, yes. Forgiveness is for you. You don't need that eating your you eating you up. It's toxic to hold that type of malice in your heart. Absolutely. But the a the person needs to ask for it. B. I think that uh, forgiveness is a narrative that we've also this extreme forgiveness is a narrative that we've been taught because it absolves the status quo of the wrong that they've done. I mean, I like you said, we don't see other people doing it so there are two sides to it so while i'll agree it is for the individual i think we're also way too quick to forgive and way too quick to publicly forgive to show that we're good negroes and see we've forgiven whatever see we're good and, and, and that's my problem and, and that. I, listen i do agree that you know we, well this is the part i don't think that it absolves them of their wrongdoing i think they still need to be held accountable so, so I'm not saying like you did wrong. I forgive you. Now you're go you go free. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know if that's what other people do. That's not what I believe. But the thing about it is that just like okay, so my husband, if he does something wrong to me, there's times that I can be upset with him and hold it. But if I don't forgive him, now it doesn't mean I don't have a conversation and we have to change that. But if I hold that, we're not going to evolve in our marriage. We're not going to get strong. We're not going to move forward. Now. He can't just do everything to me and it's not that we don't talk about things, but it's times that you won't get a forgiveness or get a, um, ask for forgiveness, or they give you this half behind, like, well, I'm sorry. And you know, they don't mean it. So do you let that eat you up and hold you from where you need to be or where you need to go? Or do you say, you know, I got to work on me and I'm going to trust that God will work on them. Now you still express the, Hey, when you did a, it made, you know, you did a, you know, B happened and it made me feel like C. You tell them what happened, but you still have to forgive. It holds you in bondage. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying they don't have consequences. I'm just saying, I just know that it, it eats you up. It eats you up inside. Look, I'll, oh. I'll, say, I'll say about Jewish people. Jewish people, um, they, uh, 1972, <laughs> Munich. They didn't forgive nobody. They hunted them people down like dogs and murdered them. (laughs) They still looking for Nazis. And when was World War II over? (laughs) Like they, they finding Nazis at a hundred and something years old. They still putting them up on trial. They like, I don't care. You're going to be in your walker, you know, uh, getting hung. (laughs) So I don't, and they seem to be doing very well as a community. So I don't know, man. That, that that's not part of their that forgiveness thing is not necessarily part of their doctrine. But I I do agree. Forgiveness is 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 something that you need to do so that you don't it doesn't eat you up. I just have a problem with this dictated forgiveness doctrine right. that they give to black people right. in this country in particular. That as soon as something happens, every time we hear about somebody coming on television or in in the media and saying, well, we forgive them. It's like two hours after it happens or a day after it happens. You don't, we're human. Like the Abotham gene. That takes me back to that thing where everybody say about slavery, like let it go. Uh, What? Let it go. 
Now that now that is what bothers me when they right. No, right. No, 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 we're not letting it go. We got to understand why we why we went through that. And that that's why you got these all upset Negroes because we ain't going back there no more. You got some real crazy people. And now they say, you come for me, I'm coming for you. But see, well, I see, I think the other part of that is a sincere apology, right? There has never been a sincere apology for the hell that um, black people in this country have gone through. They've always said we express extreme regret. They try to, it's like, you know when you, it, it, it's funny, I just had a friend who talked to me about this, that there was somebody who had done something wrong to her and they fell out, right? So at the next like homecoming, she tried to just come up and hug her. And she was like, uh-uh, <laughs> I don't play like that. So she never apologized. She just tried to act like everything was okay. And that's kind of what I, I like in this whole extreme forgiveness thing too. They, instead of actually apologizing for it, because that makes a world of difference in terms of forgiveness and being able to move on, they just act like nothing happened. I'm not saying everybody, but it's- They it's have the, to though. They can't admit that they did. Or or you yeah. should just get over it, sister. We had people cutting people off, moving these families, breaking apart. They can't admit yeah. that. Oh, absolutely. Now, but you want me to they, forgive you for some reason. Right. And you, and you know I'm what? Not, Probably we will. If we wait Can't for apology, I, I got it, bro, bro. But I, You're right. I, I just want to say something. One thing to y'all about that. Um, what is that? We have, we have <laughs> to Dwayne. understand. Dwayne. We have to understand that what gets force fed to us through news media is propaganda, and it's a truthful psychological assault and socially engineered to. Uh, do what I was saying earlier about uh, reminding us of all of the things that we've been oppressed about. See, with us thinking about something, and I, I'm pretty sure you and Dr. Vibe would even be even a, uh, able to expand upon this even more, but our brains are mental computers. So when we begin to think about something we could actually relive every traumatic experience we had in our life based on whatever that subject is so this is why they they make sure that they keep certain things in our face and dylan roof that situation wasn't the only one the same thing happened with the brother who got killed uh and i say supposedly because a lot of these news events ain't even real they actually are actors you know but the brother who got killed by the white police officer and then his family member hugs the woman in court if y'all remember that oh yeah Jean, yeah that's uh, actually i was about to bring that bring that one up and what see what that does is that creates the the powers that be the elite the people who plan things out for hundreds of years in advance they do these things because, for one, they know what it'll do to us psychologically, but also what it'll do to us socially. So now what ends up happening is a person who believes in that doctrine, they'll look at you crazy if you say, it ain't no way I'll forgive, it ain't no way this, this, that, and the third. And then what ends up happening is there's a clash amongst us. And, and this particular stimulus that they put in front of us, it has nothing to do with us in, in the relationship that you and I may have together. But now, instead of us being able to unite for something, we divide against each other because we have differing 
views or ideologies based on whatever it is that's been presented to us. Hmm. So, you know, looking deeper than just what they present to us on the surface, we have to be able to understand that part of it, that what gets uh, shown to us. And, and um, I encourage everybody to look it up. Uh, I think it's called uh, Operation Mockingbird, in which it proves that the CIA has been in control of the news media since like the 1950s. Yeah. Actually, if you they had this thing where they were saying how um, all the, the there's only like seven media companies, I believe. Right. Is it? I think it might five be less now. than that. And they all by the same people. And they all have all the, the people that run them have CIA backgrounds. Yep. And, uh, you know, they all, you know, I mean, that's something that at some point on one of these shows, we have to definitely talk about because right. it, it really does affect us. And it, it it affects us seeking empowerment, right? Right, because right, you know, propaganda is one of the biggest tools that was used against uh, the Jews during the Holocaust, the American people to get them to do what they want, and it's the biggest tool that's used against Black folks. And they've used religious propaganda is one of the biggest tools that's been used against our community, and so many dastardly ways. There's no way in heck that these people are going to be in heaven when we get there. If we see some of these architects in the afterlife, we know we didn't make it to heaven. <laughs> so <laughs> so there's no there's no way that these people that would use, you know, uh, use this to control people, to control our people. So um, I, I want to thank Brother Dwayne for what you have to say and i know that the ladies have to go but yeah, i have to go too so peace and love family and i'll, I'll be ready bro whenever you're ready all right thank you man all right thank you um so my my question is you know we always want to do solutions before before uh we close out any show and my question to you is how can the black church specifically um uh the black christian church be more of a vessel for black empowerment than maybe it has that it is um i don't like prosperity uh preaching i don't i don't me personally i'm not with all that i don't think that preaches black empowerment um so can you guys uh um i know this is a tall order to ask you guys to, to do this but how can how, how we'll start with you angela because i know you have to run um how can all right so dr tachi how can uh how can um the black church do a, a better job of of uh helping with the co the cause of black empowerment in our communities well black empowerment in this country if we're talking about this country specifically operates within a larger system mm -hmm. so we also need to see what's happening in those larger systems that are that are that is pushing people forward and see how black people be, can participate and become a part of that i find i mean just there are some churches for example that are very tech savvy um there are some that there's still uh, mimeographing on the, with the purple ink, their uh, weekly announcements. So I, I think that number one, 
the best thing you can do for your congregation is to get them caught up to speed with what's happening in technology, uh, what's happening in the world in terms of current events. Number two, although I'm not a fan of the whole prosperity doctrines, because really that's just in a lot in some cases giving an excuse for the pastor and the family to be prosperous and to say, oh, well, it's okay that we're prosperous because we're teaching you to do this. But I think there needs to be a real economic empowerment push. There's no reason that in many neighborhoods that that church should be the best building ever. You know, in the rest of the neighborhood is squalor, but the church is, you know, pristine. And I, of course the church should be pristine, but what good is it to have a mansion in the middle of the ghetto? I think that there needs to also be a push to develop the neighborhoods. And, you know, we keep talking about the same old tired things. Oh, well, we need this. We need that. We need training. We need what? Okay. Are you consulting with people that can help you in that? What are you doing? And the, here's the other thing. You need to draw young people back to the church. These millennials and all, all, you know, uh, and Gen Z, draw them back to the church and use their talents. Part of our problem is we have a sharp hierarchy in black communities. I'm not just saying uh, America, that's also Africa, that's also Caribbean. There's a sharp hierarchy. And often the younger people are not listened to because they're not viewed with the experience to be able to lead or say anything. And that's a huge problem. And that's not just the church, that's also our, our black organizations. And this is why when it comes to leadership and we're wondering, well, why is nobody to, because you totally ignored us. That was one reason that I really stopped being involved. I used to be the president of the NAACP at the University of Buffalo. But when I got to a conference and I, they were like ignoring the college students, I'm like, dude, we're the ones that are going to take over next. And that is kind of the same thing that I've seen in many black organizations. So you need to draw in younger people. Younger people have the skills and the know-how to be able to take you to the next level. You can't take anybody to the next level if you're not there yourself. So again, big sweeping generalizations, but it's a start. Yeah. Can, I, can I jump in for a second? Sure, please. I think uh, two things that a number of black churches need to do. First of all, and Dr. Tachi was talking about it, you got to get rid of the classism in churches. There, there, There's too much elitism and classism. And I think it, it's not only reflected in a, a number of black churches. I think it's something that black culture has to take a look at, the whole area of classism. There, it seems that there's a, a, a bridging gap of us and them. And I've seen that in a number of black churches. Another thing I want to suggest with black churches, some of the people in black churches got to take the church face off. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, can you just be a human being? Don't give, I'm going to say this, don't always act like you're holier than thou. Mm -hmm. Right? Because every Superman and every Superwoman has their kryptonite. Mm -hmm. Right. I was in a church the other day and I had to really respect it because the pastor was up there talking about overcoming challenges. And he was quite open that he finds it sometimes for him to go to sleep. And sometimes he has to take medication to go to sleep. I can relate to that. That's human to me. Right. Just because he's a pastor doesn't mean he doesn't have faults. And what makes him more engaging, not only to older people, but younger people is he admits his faults. He's transparent, mm -hmm. right? 
that has to happen more in let alone black churches, churches, period. That mm. we have to get this classism and this us and them away. We according to God I, I serve, Jesus saves and Jesus serves and he accepts people where they are. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think some black churches, if you're not at a certain standard, if you don't drive a certain car, if you don't wear a certain type of clothes, you're you're over there. Yeah. So I just want I just wanted to add that that stuff in. Mm-hmm. And um, in a minute, we have a question from uh, Ryan, but I want to go to you, Angela. Um, so well, there's a there's a couple of things. Um, accepting people where they are is a, a huge one. Mm. Uh, people come into a church. And, and where I am, we have a lot of young people in the church. But like Dr. Tasha said, they're not listened to. So if you're speaking this term that they don't understand, if you're if you're preaching to me, I need to be able to leave with what you're saying. Don't give me a bunch of big words that I can't, I don't, I don't understand, and I don't know how to apply it to my life when I walk out the door. So that's the, that's the first disconnect that I do. You have to sound really safe and use all the big words and root words. But when I leave, I'm like, what was the message about? I don't know. So I think it needs to be practical. Um, authentic is one of the things you said. Like when you go in church, everybody looks like they have it all together. But there was some holes in there. there used to, there's some Christians that used to be holes in there. <laughs> there's some Currently. Christians that used to be dope boys in there. Currently. Like, tell them your story. Because if they don't understand your story, like like I was divorced, I was married and divorced twice before I got married now. Okay, I'm married now 20 something years, but somebody need to know that I didn't get it right. I messed up and I had to work on me. But you don't tell your story. They just people always say, Oh my God, Miss Angie, I have the best relationship. That didn't come without some help beforehand. We mm-hmm. don't, we're not, we don't share. We're not like people say you, you tell too much. I don't tell too much. I wish someone would have shown me instead of putting up a front. You see people come to church week after week looking good in their marriage and their life and then, oh, they happened and they, wait a minute, I thought they had it all together. They've learned how to play church and look a certain way. And like they said, black classism, just, I, I got to look like I got it together. And so that when I come to church, say, hey, this has been a good day. You know, I'm, my grandma died and I'm struggling with that. Like we, we say, give it to God. What does that look like? Help me not just tell me the words, but help me through the process and don't make me feel bad for where I am as opposed to however you are. And the last thing I'm going to say is traditions. We have a lot of rules in churches. That's not biblical principles, but it's just this church, say when you come in, everybody got to walk up the right side and down the middle. This church, that's not like, and then somebody do the wrong thing because they don't know how your church operates. Then, you know, you yell at them or, or, or acting like they're just the worst thing in the world. Let, let's get away, get away with all the extra rules. I mean, I'm saying follow biblical principles, but your church, my church, different rules, it gets to be too much sometimes. Mm. Right. And um, I, one thing I want to add to that before we go to Ryan. I, I quite... mm-hmm. Go ahead. What do you say? I just want, I would find it very, I, I would find it very interesting if we could ask people, every person who goes to a black church after their next sermon, I'd love to ask each one of them, did you feel better leaving than when you came in? Yeah. Um, what are my big pet peeves with a, biz- a successful businessman? When they talk about their success, they don't talk about their failures. I feel like um, 
you know, that gives you, I mean, because a lot of times we sit there and we see these successful people and we think that they just got it right from the rip. And nine times out of 10, like uh, a successful business person, a lot of times they failed on the first three, four businesses and then they hit, you know what I'm saying? And they learn from those failures. And uh, so I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, Angela. Don't act like some people shouldn't just act like they, you know, they just hit home run on their first swing, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Now, but what were you before? A hot mess. So what was your, what was your kryptonite? Like you said, everybody had some at one point in time. What was yours? Right. Mm. So, mm. so brother Ryan, you said you have a question for the panel. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't necessarily a question, but I, I don't know if you guys can give me some time here. Um, I won't talk too much, but, mm -hmm. um, my mentor, he's a spiritual mentor of mine. Um, you know, he kind of helped me out when I was in my uh, early twenties to kind of just restructure my, my head. And he gave me a few different Bibles. Uh, he gave me the King. He told me to study the King James Bible. Then I studied, um, he gave me the Pachetta and the Pachetta is like, uh, uh, it's a Bible that kind of it's closer to the to, to the old scribes. He gave me the Jerusalem Bible and every Bible had a different translation on what was being said. And I think that, you know, when we think about God being the supreme architect and the supreme being that created everything in terms of the cosmos, um, you know, every he, you know, like in terms of vibration, science, math, you know, there's an order here. And when things are out of order where there's a discord, God doesn't know discord. He didn't create the discord. You know, he is pretty much a lot. I don't know how to describe it, but a logical language. And the problem that we have with these churches today is that people don't even understand the idioms that they are speaking when they are reading from the Bible. For example, in the Aramaic language, the word sin didn't mean, oh, you know, um, the way that we would attribute sin today, but sin meant to miss the mark. They would use that term when they were playing, when they were playing archery. And if the arrow missed the mark, then that would be called a sin. And the distance between where you miss the mark and the mark that was used to describe evil. So being able to understand the evil, you would be able to correct yourself so that you can hit the right you can hit the, the target. So what I'm saying is that if the churches, I, I think that the devil is really confusion. I think that black people are confused. We don't know enough of the, uh, of our own religion to be able to, to get ourselves out of the feedback loop. We also have to understand that we are living in a society that is a negation of where we were and where we lived. You know, so there's a lot of correction that needs to happen within our communities, but also a lot of correction that needs to happen in society. We're constantly living in a society that is in that has always been a deficit. As soon as we 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 um, like my parents are from Trinidad, as soon as they hit that soil, you know, all the transgressions there uh, or not the transgressions, all the, the the deeds were all in my head transgressions and they all are in a deficit. I think that true spiritualism is to re really understand that we need to correct a lot of things. We need to restore who we really are. And I, I guess that's what people are saying. And I'm not a scholar, so you have to excuse me. But all I'm saying is that we also need to just understand 
these religions a little bit better before we, um, because we're going to continuously be in this feedback loop where we're fighting each other. Because I think all of us on the panel or everyone on the panel can agree that gravity exists. We all know it exists and we don't argue with, with it. But when it comes to religion, we all argue with it because there's a lot of confusion, you know, and I don't think that God made, made this, uh, you know, gave us this, this world for us to be confused. And it's that confusion that's causing us to be divided. So we need to educate ourselves and restore who we were from the beginning in order for us to see peace. But as long as we're on this land, we're always going to be in that deficit and we're always going to be fighting for that peace. And whether it's, you know, forgiveness with the man that hit you across the street or forgiveness with the government or what have you, there's always going to be levels and hierarchy to the levels of um, conflict that we're going to continuously fight as long as we live in this deficit. I don't know if I made any sense, but, you know. I hear you, brother. And uh, and and I I, I agree um, with the with a lot of what you're saying, man. Because uh, um, the the war in our minds is one of the biggest wars that we're we're facing, and we're getting it. I mean, the devil or whoever you want to say that we're up against uh, is ahead, and if we don't get a grapple of of uh, reality and what is really truly in front of us, we're definitely going to uh, perish as a community, as a people. And, um, you know, one of the, the safe havens of our community was, is the church, right? Mm-hmm. Going mm-hmm. back to the beginning slavery, going to uh, Jim Crow, uh, reconstruction to even to now, and it was always a place of strength for us. Um, people don't know, like I, I kind of talked about this last week um, during the civil rights movement, uh, the churches, they were, they had guns, you know, they were ready to protect, you know, uh, our community. And yeah. these these conversations are, are not being talked about, you know, the strength that comes from um, our church. So it's important for us to have a strong black church because uh you know having a good i'm a uh you know spiritual center like um was one of the reasons why the um the haitians were able to win you know they had a very strong spiritual center and Mm -hmm. and once again they decided it was going to be freedom or death you know there was no other choice and i think what we have to do as a as a people we have to decide that that's what it is that I rather, you know, I, 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 I rather die um, fighting for freedom than go out on my back. So with that said, uh, I want to start off with you, Angela, how can we get you in social media and what should, should we be on the lookout for anything? Cause I know sometimes you and your husband, you guys do. And I, you know, I have not had your husband on the program yet. I love the. Sitting beside me talking a bunch of junk about a lot of stuff you say. That's why I was like, you, you gonna jump on because you talked a lot. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Lo- I would love to have the brother on, man. I, I feel like I know him and I don't know him. So, and, and he knows you and don't know you. So right, okay. right. <laughs> um, we actually are working on quite a few things. We're actually gonna do, um, 
up start back up with our YouTube channel. We did. We were. We had a, a big following. We, we have a big following on Facebook, but um, we're getting ready to start building a house. And building a house. Yeah, but this is not a good thing. When he was a con, he's a contractor. He's been a contractor for the majority of our marriage, and he's also supervised at UPS. But he feels like he has all the answers. Well, like I want some input in the house. So we this gonna test our marriage and our communication skills to see if I don't get him. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going through this process, but it's gonna be um one of my friends today saw saw us talking about colors and stuff because he thinks everything would be gray. I'm a vibrant person, so this is gonna be interesting. You're gonna pray for us because Lord Jesus, I don't know how we're gonna make this process. Well, I I but yes, I, black love you, black love united on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Sid and Angie. Because sometimes people don't want to talk to the black person. You got black love, but said in Angie, I'm passionate about marriage. Um, we got into it because we were seeing a lot of people that was looking good and happily married in church. And then all of a sudden you see them get divorced and you're like, wait, what happened? And we realized that people just want to bring honest about where they were. Like if you're having problems about not getting sex or this not happening, they were afraid to talk about that at church. But marriage is a name of God. So why would you not? want to have a leader have something to teach them that hey we, we can we can move past this so um we're just transparent we're just who we are so i enjoy being on your show i'm glad to meet you dr chachi and dr. you Chachi's too first time on the show together so it's all glad to meet it's good to meet different people absolutely and i'm from yes. orlando i heard him say florida where are you from dr chachi i'm i am not from here <laughs> i live in fort lauderdale i'm from new york but i live in fort lauderdale Oh, I got two of my kids mm -hmm. in college down there. I'm oh. going to say this. Uh, Cedric, uh, Brother Cedric, if you're listening. And my son is in, in um, Fort Lauderdale. Okay, FAU. In Miami, they're Barry. Oh, Barry. Okay, okay. Bro Brother Cedric, if you're listening, um, just, you know, I just have that my special wing on the house, you know, when I come and visit, you know, so I have my, you know, so, you know, hook, hook a brother up. <laughs> the yeah, Kente wing. I'm very, I'm very hospitable. <laughs> there you go. That's what's up. So, Dr. Tachi, tell us about yeah. all your wonderful programs and such. Oh, do yeah, we have so time? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, well, I just want to uh, say before I put all that out there that I can't imagine me or my life without belief in a higher power, without belief in God. I can't see myself walking around soulless and godless. And that's not, not a commentary on anybody else. That's fine if that's what you want to do. But I know for me, I have personally seen what belief has done for me and what spirituality has done for me. And so again, you know, that, that, that works for me. But I can still be critical of religious structures and spiritual structures, but still love God. It's not a contradiction. So just putting that out there. So that said, you can find me every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time on Periscope, Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, and WJMSRadio.com on Mediascope. It's a show where I talk all about media, tech, and pop culture. It's me and my producer, MC Curtis. You don't see him. You just hear his voice. And then on Thursdays, MC Curtis and I do a show called And We're Live, and I do it just like that. 
and we uh, talk all about using video and live stream for your business and beyond. We talk about a lot of cool stuff like lighting and sound and, and all of that, all the technophile stuff. So if you're interested in that, watch us at two on the same platforms I just mentioned, plus YouTube. And then on, I have a podcast with my good friend out in LA, Kevin. We do a podcast called TV Channeling. I'm one half of the TV twins and we do TV reviews and TV film and entertainment news. I am also in the process of writing a book with a colleague, I, Addison Zhang, who's becoming really big in social media circles. And we are writing a book on social media and in particular, individuals and how it's transformed their careers. So we've interviewed people that just said, you know what, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to do this and you know, become a YouTube star, whatever the case may be. And so it should be really interesting when it comes out. And I feel your house pain. For those of you who don't know, if you watch me, you know, you've noticed I haven't had like the lights on in the back. That's because I refuse to let you see the back. I had a flood um, uh -huh. like three weeks ago, two inches of water everywhere. So the studio is going to be under construction and you'll see like a completely new like i have to have everything redone so you'll see a new studio in a, in a little while i was like that background is everything so you did the right lighting because it looks great <laughs> i mean it doesn't look terrible but you know my rugs are gone and everything it's still the same but yeah it will be completely new when it's finished so. and i got to say dr tachi's one of the flyers uh uh streamers podcasters out there and you, you and she crushed it again on the earrings because you always got to check out Dr. Tachi's earrings, uh, you know. So, um, you know, she knows what a big fan I am of hers. And, uh, you know, I could talk television and movies when, when, when we gonna do a movie thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can have you on the podcast. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's because we're in each other's face. You know when you're in somebody's face all the time, right. they're right under your nose, you don't think about it. So absolutely. Right. And just as a uh, next week, because uh, we're going to be back at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern for Men and Women Talk, the Mars Venus show. We're jumping the chart shark a little bit. Next week, we're going to have our top 15 black movies. Uh, of all time. So we're going to all have lists. So Keenan is going to be on that show. Jacqueline, uh, Shannon's supposed to be on there as well. So if you guys have a list too, and you want to share it, let us know. So 15 of the top black movies and I'm sorry, Dr. Vibe, but um, we've, we've all voted and, um, and uh, what's the Jamaican bobsled movie? Cool, uh, running. cool runnings oh, don't God, count God. as a black movie. <laughs> we don't count that as a black movie. The Dr. Vibe, sorry. I know that's your, your homies, uh, Bob Slitton. Hey, so. homies, none of those people were Jamaican. <laughs> I know, I'm just messing with Dr. Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how can we get you, Dr. Vibe, and what should we be on the lookout for from you? Uh, thank you, as always. Sorry for the technical challenges. Best place to find me is the, D-R-V-I-B-E-S-H-O-W.com. Uh, tomorrow night on Get Vocal, I'm interviewing a gentleman named Jeff Martin one of 10 black men who's an author of a book called New Me, 10 Stories, 10 Ventures Stories of Perseverance. Perseverance. Also have some conversations coming up this week about men and vulnerability and the replay of D. Chansonberry, who is the producer of Dark Girls 2, is going to be going up this week. I strongly recommend people watch that replay. That, that was a conversation and he has an incredible story about Oprah Winfrey hmm. on it that 
just and it's the first time he shared it publicly. All right. On it. Definitely. And mm. Dr. Tatch, I've told him about you. So if you'd like to have a conversation with Mr. Barry, he would like to chat with you because I know you're into the world of film and cinema. So I did mention him to you. And actually, he's doing a uh, doing another doc. He's done 17 films or documentaries. Wow. So uh, and definitely. Uh, and also on that replay, too, he talks about a story where he had written a song for uh, Rosie Gaines. For people who know who she is, used to be with the Prince team, and then Prince oh. ended up recording it. And then Prince called him one night and told him, "I just recorded your song." Wow. And, he's, <laughs> and and what happened is that was a time where Prince and Warner Brothers split, and eventually the song eventually was done by Shaka Khan, who's mm. another personal friend of his. Some horribly at the end. Yeah, yeah. Shaka Khan, I love Shaka Khan though. I I definitely the yeah, the very conversation is absolutely amazing. He also talks about going to Ghana for the first time in his life and being a life-changing experience. Mm. Yeah, I, mm. I plan on going to Ghana this year. So, all right, beyond return, yeah. awesome. Yes, August. So I'm very excited about that. You can get me at Kente F on Twitter, Kente Ferguson on uh, Instagram. And of course, the website is IndyRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. And uh, you guys, I love you guys all. I'll be in the Get Vocal chat room to chop it up with you guys for a little bit. And then I'm taking probably my black butt to bed. But uh, with that said, you guys have a beautiful rest of your week. Uh, happy, uh, Happy Monday. Thank you. Good night. Peace. Can't tell you.